This is a podcast from Partnerships for Wellbeing. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Ways to Wellbeing, coming to you from a sunny and bustling Inverness. And you're Nicola McKenzie. And you are Jeff Zinsky. And in these podcasts, we like to tell you what's happening here at Partnerships for Wellbeing, but we also like to introduce you to some special guests, those who we feel are inspiring for our own health and wellbeing, and hopefully they inspire you too. Yeah, we, ha- we have a kind of a competition going on where we, we each get a chance to suggest a guest for the podcast. This time around, it's my choice. It is. And I suggested someone who's a friend of mine who I first met in 2014, I think. And when I met her and I heard her story, I thought to myself, my goodness, I worry too much about small things in life compared to her. Yeah, I mean, we all have different ways of stepping outside our comfort zone, don't we? And, you know, it might be something like choosing a different topping on a pizza. It is for you, yeah. (laughs) For me, anxiety means uh, forgetting to return a library book. Oh, yeah. But those words have very different meanings for our guest, Paula Maguire. Yeah, so Paula went uh, from being a teenage recluse, almost, to, when I met her, the beginnings of a bold adventurer. Um, And as I say, someone who really does uh, inspire other people. We've been trying to get a hold of her for some time. There's reasons why we've only now been able to get a hold of her. But let's meet her, shall we? Paula, hello, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Good, thank you. Good. So what kind of day are you having, Paula? <laughs> I'm having a, a stressful kind of day so far, but um, yeah, no, it's fine. It's um, nice and rainy here in Glasgow, and um, I'm just trying to get on with a day in which my dog broke her leg again. Oh, no. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, all fine, all fine. She'll get over yes. it. We'll be fine. They break your heart, dogs, don't they? They break your heart. They sure do. Now, it's, it must be odd when you hear somebody sum up your entire life in a few sentences. So I described as coming from a teenage recluse to a bold adventurer. Can we go back to the teenage recluse years? Uh, is that a fair something? Sum- am I oversimplifying there? No, not at all. Um, I think to to sum up my whole life in a sentence is maybe over, oversimplifying, but that would be the same for, for anybody, really. But, no, that's that's kind of how I describe it. Um, if, if I'm to shortly tell the story, I was always an anxious kid um, I had problems with my nerves and, and things when I was you know as young as four and five and it was the 80s and nobody recognized anxiety in childhood in the 80s if it wasn't broken um, limbs you went into school um, and it just kind of built from there I, I started to develop twitches so I'm quite a kind of twitchy um, anxiousy antsy person um, and it built and built until, you know, I was at the, in a position that everything kind of scared me. And I started just shutting shutting things down and shutting out things that would cause me anxiety to the point that it was basically me in my, my, my living room um, just shutting the world out. When you look back at that, do you sort of feel that you, um, do you see it? like you did recruit sort of from one thing and then next thing and did it sort of was it a build up that way as opposed to a complete shutdown yeah I think it probably was I don't um you know I, I couldn't tell you what order things kind of a shut down in um I was still able to go to to work to you know I could um most days I could get the work um because I knew exactly where I was going and um I knew that the people that would be there and and how to get back and everything um 
but yeah, things things kind of gradually just got shoved out of the way. So um, I would I stopped seeing friends. I stopped um, going to events. I stopped, you know, even just the cinema was terrifying for me if I hadn't been before and I didn't know what seat I would be sitting in or what. And I don't know what I thought would happen. That's that's the nature of anxiety. You know, it wasn't that I thought someone was going to jump out from behind every <laughs> every lamppost. I just it just really, really scared me, the thought of being out amongst people. So it was mostly kind of social anxiety with a bit of general anxiety and, and panic thrown in um, because these things don't tend to come on their own. Um, yeah, so I just gradually just things just got smaller and smaller and smaller until, as I say, it was looking a bit hopeless for me. I remember you talking publicly about being bullied at school. Mm-hmm. Now, I often wondered, were you bullied and that led to your anxiety or was it because you were already anxious and retreating that you seemed like a good target for the bullies? I think it's a bit of both, really. Um, I found it really easy to become become the bullied person because I was always just, you know, if somebody's sitting in your classroom and you're, you're 12 and you think it's funny and they're blinking all the time and their face is doing things that they don't really intend it to be doing and, um, you know... It's the easy target. I'm, I was I was right there in front of them. Um, and that then made me think that there was something wrong with me, which then drove the anxiety to um to greater and greater levels. So you know, I don't think it was anybody's fault. And I don't I certainly don't blame children from the past for for making me, you know, into this this terrified person. But there was just lots of factors going on. And you know, I always say that I had a really lovely home life and you know, I was really well supported and things like that. So um yeah, it just it was just one of those things that that kind of was in me, but was also fed, I think, by by situations that I was put in. And if if your world, if you like, became smaller and smaller as you sort of withdrew, would you say there was a turning point? Can you sort of is there a key point that you remember things changing where you where you felt that you had more control over things and to change things around? Maybe not more control, but there was definitely a point that I thought. I have to do something about this um, because for you know 25 years other people had been doing for me if you like doing doing to me um, you know I, I was going to see doctors I was seeing counsellors I was you know and that's what you should do you know that's I was going down all the right routes um, but nothing seemed to be taken for me nothing seemed to be the thing that would turn things around and and I, I remember feeling like I was just constantly waiting for the magic thing to come along you know someone to wave the wand and say that's you you're better life can start and I had all these lists of things that I was going to do when you know when I was better um and round about when I turned 30 um I realized that things weren't getting better no one was coming along to say this is how you're going to this is the path to take um and you know doctors and people were saying We've kind of we've, we've done everything, Paula. <laughs> You've been coming to us for twenty mm-hmm. years. Um, maybe this is maybe this is just as good as it gets. And and that phrase I remember just really stuck with me. Like this wasn't as good as it gets for me. You know, sitting in my living room, terrified to go out, couldn't be all that I was that I was meant for. Couldn't be all that I was worth. There was more that I wanted to do. Um, and that's kind of when I, I decided that. You know, I was the only person in the world that I hadn't put any faith in. Um, I would have Googled it, anxiety, and done what anybody online told me <laughs> to do to get rid of it. But I'd never just said to myself, right, what are we 
what can we do to, to kind of turn this around and, and start to face things and yeah that's when that's when the the idea of becoming the anxious adventurer <laughs> kind of kind of started the anxious adventure a great phrase <laughs> are we now talking about 2014 are we now talking about yeah. the commonwealth games that's which it. is when i first encountered you it, it really is even all these years later it really is a bizarre story <laughs> in a way <laughs> that, that someone who has retreated into themselves decides to do what you did and you better explain what it is you did do <laughs> yeah and um, as you say it was 2014 it was around the time of the commonwealth game it was it was just before actually it was kind of 20 2013 end of 2012 the commonwealth games was coming to glasgow and glaswegian you know all these sports were going to happen a stone's throw away from where i live and everyone was saying sports for everyone this is going to get Scotland really involved in sport and and I remember saying sport's not for me you know I, I had gone through the entirety of my my school gym PE classes and you know throwing my kit in the page on the way down to school <laughs> and writing notes for my mommy to say that all is not well the thing um, and I'd just I'd got to 30 and I'd never tried a sport um, I couldn't swim, I was terrified of water, I couldn't ride a bike, you know, all these rites of passage that, that kids do. And it just, at, at first I just thought it would be really funny if someone who had never tried a sport would try all these 17 Commonwealth sports. And it quickly became clear that I was the only person that had never tried a sport. <laughs> so it was me or nobody. Um, and I don't remember really thinking this is going to, this is the thing that's going to get me out. This is what's, um, it gradually became that. But at the start, I just thought this might be something that I can work on that might build my confidence a bit. And little did I know what impact it would have on the rest of my life to date. So was it accidental then really, just a sort of distraction and, and in turn helping you get better? Yeah, a bit of that, you know, um, I've always liked, I, I love writing and things like that. So I thought, you know, I can make a blog and I can, you know, it'll be something that would just get me out of my, um, you know, the spiral of worrying about things all the time. And maybe I'll become a, you know, a sporting goddess um, <laughs> across the year. I didn't have <laughs> yet to find my sport. But um, I just thought, you know, it can't be bad for me. Um, and if it is, then I'll I'll just give up. Um, but little did I know, as I say, that it just became everything for that two years. And then beyond that, just became my way of life for me. It did. You, I mean, you then featured on, on radio and in the press. You got your own column in a newspaper. Um, you became known as this uh, anxious adventurer. Uh, yeah. And you didn't stop with the Commonwealth Games. You then went on to do many other <laughs> quite... Ridiculous. things. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm thinking astronaut. <laughs> I'm thinking, did you not fly in the wing of a plane at one point? Were you not? I, st I stood on top. Wing? Yes, yes. Yeah, I stood. Sorry, Jeff. I stood on top of a plane while it was flying. Yeah, and wing walking. Wow. Um, Ryanair. <laughs> <laughs> the cheaper. things they get you to do. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I stood on top of a a, a plane while it was flying. I've um done just countless ridiculous things that the astronaut thing was I trained to be an astronaut for a day so I went down and went on their human centrifuge machine that they train RAF pilots and astronauts for g-forces um, I got my husband on that one um, and he I think that was the day I earned my marriage you know that way it was like oh I made the right decision <laughs> just for this one day um, yeah 
just there's there's countless things i've been a um human catapult sorry the word the word escaped me there so i i was bungee roped back and let let go um wow. I've, I've yeah climbed mountains learned to open water swim um anything really i've done goat pilates where you do pilates with goats on your back and um, just anything that seems a bit ridiculous is is what i is what i do and what i encourage other people to do because what is life if not just a series of ridiculous events absolutely absolutely and were you when you were going through these the experiences did you ever just have a moment when you're thinking what am i doing or was it just the momentum of them all did you just sort of get carried away with it oh every single day <laughs> <laughs> is this my life the anxiety um, didn't disappear <laughs> no not at all and you know I would never say that I've cured my anxiety I'm, I'm still anxious every single day I've just learned um that I am I am bigger than it and you know I always say that for 30 years I lived with anxiety and now anxiety has to live with me because I put it through so much nonsense <laughs> these days you know it just has to come along with me while I'm paragliding or you know while there's a goat on my back or while I'm being a zookeeper for a day or a you know weighing piglets in a farm or whatever it happens to be that day I just take my anxiety along with me and I, and I say you know what can we accomplish today that I would never have thought I could have accomplished um, and it's all silly things you know I'm not I'm not changing the world but um I'm changing my world for for sure and and for someone who's now you know 40 odds and and able to even just go out for a meal with her family and things that I just couldn't do before without worrying about it for three weeks ahead of time it you know and that's the thing that's the side of things that really means the most to me and and that's when I think yeah it's, it's been it's been worth climbing those mountains for because you know, here I am sitting talking to you guys and I could never have done that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you say you're not changing the world, but I would argue, having read your book, that you could be changing the world of those who read it because oh, it's so inspiring and it reads like um, like a self-help book, I guess. And, you know, it makes you, well, certainly when I was reading it, I just felt like anybody reading this that does feel like they suffer from anxiety, you know, it makes things seem possible. Um, when you were writing it, do you think you had that in mind or do you think you were writing it from, you know, as a self-help, Thing for you to process it was it quite a rewarding thing to do first of all that's really kind of you to say thank you thank you for reading that um and thanks for such kind words um there was a bit of both I think I think it, there was a bit of catharsis you know there was a bit of I need to get all this out and down on paper and you know the, the first part of the book was really really difficult to to go back to those feelings and and try and really because I had to write them in, a, in an authentic way even though I wasn't still so mired in anxiety as I had been back then so you know I had to really dredge up some <laughs> some horrible experiences and you know I sat with lots of cups of tea and chocolate cake for a couple of months and just wrote that but um but at the time I think I was hoping that even if you know it's such a cliche but if one person read it and thought well, I'm I'm not as much of a basket case as she is. So if she can do this, and I'm allowed to say that because it's me. Um, but you know, if she can do this, then maybe I can go out today, or maybe I can go for a run, or maybe I can catch a bus. You know, just little things that that make life worth it. Paula, before you wrote the book, I used to talk to you about it and say, "Oh, you ought to write a book." And then I used to say, "Because it would make a great movie," but I don't think that anymore because times have <laughs> moved on. I think it's a Netflix series. <laughs> there's so many you think episodes. So? There's so many episodes in your life. Um, 
and your life's not over yet. <laughs> you know, <Thanks, laughs> so I, I think you'll get the second Netflix series uh, anyway. But um, it, it, it's just a, a that that is the book where that is your story um, told in in great detail. Uh, you've also written a couple of other books uh, as well. In fact, we were going to have you on around about Christmas time because you wrote a wee um, what I would call stocking filler. Uh, <laughs> adventures for bored adults. That's what the was, one, yeah. What, what was the thinking behind that? It's um, it's it's a gift book basically. It's the one that you pick up on the way out of the bookshop to stick in mm. somebody's parcel. For um, and I'm quite I'm quite happy with with that summary of it. Um, it was after I did um, I did try something new every day, and I don't know, time has no meaning anymore. Twenty twenty maybe mm. something like that. I tried something new every day for 366 days because I typically picked a year to try it um, and it's basically I think there's a hundred and maybe 110 different things in the book that you can try whether it's just from your home or going out and about or doing with the kids or, or things just if you're bored little you know five minute things that you can you can try because I'm a great believer that trying is what saves me um, I'm not a I'm not a succeeder. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not top of my game. Or anything. I'm not, um, but I am definitely a trier, and and it's in the process. I think that that we that we learn the most, um, and in a room full of people that know more than you, that's that's where you get the opportunity to to learn and develop, and um, and constantly putting myself in those situations is is what has kept me here. I think, and what's kept me going. So that's what the book's based around. Now, you mentioned passing your family and you mentioned your husband, Jerry. Um, we couldn't let it pass. We are partnerships for well-being without asking about the importance of that partnership to you. Um, mm. And I know, I think I know the answer that Jerry's been a big part of, of helping you cope with life. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think when I met Jerry, he he very much easily fell into that that role of supporting me. Um, because people who suffer with the mental health, we can be difficult. You know, we're not we're not trying it, but you know, I can be quite <laughs> quite difficult to be around at times when I'm when I'm struggling. And he really, really easily fell into that role without me ever having to say, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. Um, but as soon as I said I'm going to try these seventeen Commonwealth sports, you would expect someone to say don't be daft, you can't leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of expected that. And nobody in my family, particularly not Jerry, said that. He said, great, well, where do we start? I'll set you up a, a blog, um, we'll go out, I'll take photos. He would, I would, poor man, I would make him like hide in bushes and take photos because I was so embarrassed for him taking photos. And he, he must have looked like, I don't know what he looked like really. <laughs> But the situations that he had to get into to be able to take photos of me, you know, learning to ride a bike as a 30-year-old woman and being mortified about the whole experience. Um, and right through it, he never once said, are you sure? You know, do you really want to be a human catapult? Is paragliding really for you? You've never tried it before. Um, are you standing on top of that plane? Are you sure? You know, he always just said, right, great. You know, what's the next thing? What, what are you doing today? Um, and... I think it was that balance, just that perfect balance of not pushing me because the last thing you want is somebody saying, um, and I would never say it to anybody, you're anxious, get out there, get out and start doing stuff. You know, that's not that's not feasible. It has to come from you. It has to come from, from the person. And he never, ever 
pushed me to do stuff but when I decided to do stuff he was there beside me you know trying to help me along and just like supporting me from from the sides and that's what you need you know that that kind of that kind of friendship um, and relationship is just what what has kept me kept me going and you know relationships like the one that I have with you and with people that I've met through doing all this stuff that I would just never have you know no offence, Jeff, but we don't live in the same circles. You know, I would never, have, I would never have met you. <laughs> um, you're too high class for me. That <laughs> me. I, I, I've said that many a time. I mean, I'm just too good for most people, really. <laughs> but it, it's those that kind of things that I look back on, and I think that's why I kept going. It wasn't because I had to get an export done. It was because, you know, there was people then that were on your side, and that you thought, well, I'm going to do this for them because you know they, they're supporting me and they're they're invested in this as much as I am and um, having people along with you is, is a great help. I just think this is just so inspiring. I mean, it must have just taken such strength to go from where you were to just sort of every day to just go and push yourself. And honestly, just hats off to you. I just think it's incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think strength really goes along with stupidity in my case. <laughs> because I just had, had this notion that it, it might work and, and it thankfully did. I love the idea of this Easter house boy is too good for people. But <laughs> anyway, I mentioned episodes in your life. You're in a new episode right now, aren't you? Because you've had, yeah. um, I hate these phrases, health setbacks. But <laughs> you've had a health, a health surprise, shall we call it? Yeah, I had a bit of a surprise last October um, when I had a brain hemorrhage just completely out of out of nowhere. Well, it probably wasn't out of nowhere, but I was probably doing something. But um, yeah, just all of a sudden I started having um, seizures and after a couple of seizures it, it turned out that I'd had this this bleed on the brain so a stroke um, which is just I didn't think that I was going to be somebody that would be 41 and had a stroke consultant but this is where I, this is where I am so mm-hmm. um, and that really changed things things for me again I had to really reevaluate where I was and, and what I was doing and, and kind of take a step back and and think about maybe a, a different way to well-being if you if you like to stay on brand <laughs> <laughs> how does it affect your day-to-day life now well I, I i can't drive um for the time being i'm very hopeful of getting my license back um next year but i just need to wait and see how how things settle or otherwise um i can't do things that i had really developed as kind of coping strategies for for my mental well-being so things like open water swimming um, I'm not even allowed to have a bath these days really? um, well just in case I have a seizure and because um, I've been diagnosed with epilepsy now because of the hemorrhage right. um, so you know I can't I can't have that escape of going out into open water and, and having a bit of a paddle about which I love so much and um, things like being outdoors um, maybe climbing a Monroe on my own or things like that that's not really a possibility for me at the minute because it's just not safe um being in the middle of nowhere on my own just isn't practically just isn't isn't safe so it felt for a good couple of months that things were being taken away from me again you know like um the world is shutting down again and you have to be scared again um even though the last time you had nothing to be scared about this time you've got stuff to be scared about and, and you need to be scared and it took me um and it's still taking me time to to just re- readjust um and to think to try and focus on the things that that I really can do um for my well-being rather than the things because you're constantly in appointments and things being told 
that you, you shouldn't do this, you can't do that, you can't. Nobody says, well, you can go for a nice walk with your dog when she doesn't break her leg. You know, you can, <laughs> you, you can, you can go and see your family. You, you'll get a free bus. You know, people don't tell you that stuff um, for obvious reasons. You know, they, they need to inform you. But so that had to come from me just finding out things and, and trying to focus on, right, this is what Paula can do now and this is what she should be doing and, and let's just go on and, and do it rather than worrying about the things that, are, that aren't really accessible to me at the minute. Well, Paula, I'll give you the advice that I gave myself when I had my own health surprise, which was, <laughs> there's another book in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yep, it's, it's a way to go, isn't it? Like, it's a, as you say, it's just it's another episode, it's another chapter. And, you know, all being well, I'll come out of this with, with great stories and, and hopefully still um, my well-being intact, just maybe a different version of the well-being that I, that I had. But nobody, you don't want to go back, do you? So I'm just continually going forward and, and seeing where it takes me. Well, let's see where our five ways to well-being challenge takes you. Now, okay. this is something you would have just absolutely accomplished all of this easily a few years ago. But given what you've just told us, I don't think you're going to get our prize. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, that's quite harsh. I don't think. I don't. I mean, she's told she's she's kind of um, limiting what she can do at the moment. Yeah, so it's what I have. I think she can still do it. No, we're now giving away collector's items, puffin <laughs> fridge magnets. Oh, I love a puffin. We won't tell her why that is. It's but... not because we ran out of money. For <laughs> no, it's because <laughs> the prestige of the fridge magnet. No, of course. Uh, yeah. And very kindly, I had it in my hand a minute ago. Very kindly, um, it's, it's a lovely piece that we picked up from the Louise Innes Gallery in Inverness. Uh, it's a lovely piece of so art. Pretty. Of a, uh, what was it called? A planting puffin or a... Puffin. Or something like that. Yes. So anyway, this could be yours if you <laughs> succeed in our five ways to well-being challenge, which Nicola will now impose upon you. So Paula, I'm going to ask you five questions, and if you could give me an example of each one in the past week or two that you've you've done it. So the first one is an example of a time when you have connected with others. Um, well, last week, for the first time in two years, I invited some colleagues over that I haven't seen because of we're all working from home now, um, and we have recently moved house, and I invited them over, and I was a bit scared of it because, you know, I've not seen them since I've had the stroke and things like that, and I, I was just a bit worried about it, but um, we had a lovely day, and I have since invited them back over. Oh, lovely. Oh, well, that's, that's a big tick. Yeah, that's a point straight away. One out of five. <laughs> One out of five. Don't make me nervous at all, Jeff. <laughs> Wait till the music comes up. <laughs> now, the next one is a time where you've been physically active. Oh, okay. Now, it doesn't um, need to be climbing a Monroe like you suggested. You know, it can be something yeah. a little bit smaller than that. I live not far from Huggingfield Loch, and I... Mm -hmm quite often maybe twice three times a week I walk around the lock which is a lovely way of reconnecting with water which is you know where I where I love to be and can't quite be at the minute um and just calms my mind with with a bit of a walk does that count yeah definitely it does I used to live near Huggingfield Lock did yeah I did and uh, I remember as a child had signs everywhere prohibiting any activity <laughs> So do not feed the swans, do not do not land <laughs> in the island, do not do this, do not do, do not that, have fun. Do, not, do not have fun. 
I hope it's all changed. <laughs> yes, um, it's much more, I think, accessible for, for fun having these days. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but I, try, anyway. I try to keep smiles to a minimum just in case. Oh, you know? yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, so that's two out of five. <laughs> two out of five. And third one is, have you learned a new skill in the past week or two? I am a keen knitter, but I am currently teaching myself to crochet. because it is something that knitting crochet has become something really big for me recently because I have pain in my left arm from the stroke um, and it's something that I can sit and really focus on and um, and it helps me physically as well with the kind of movement of of the hooking or whatever it is that you do with with crochet I don't know the terminology yet as you can (laughs) still learning now there's nothing I love more than proving Jeff wrong and this you are certainly doing that because that is another point (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, your puffins in the bag. Yeah, <laughs> three out of five. Have you given to others in the past week? I have, talking about knitting, I have just knitted um, two pairs of socks and I tend not to wear socks, so, um, but I love, I love to knit them. So one of those pairs is going to a friend and one is going to my sister. Oh, lovely. Look at you, you're flying. I'm flying to this. <laughs> Um, and you look so one. defeated, Jeff. I, still I, <laughs> He's good. <laughs> Three quid those puffin things cost me. Three quid. <laughs> last question is um, about mindfulness and have you been good at paying attention to the present moment? Um, I do try. Um, we have some lovely flowers growing out in our. Um, in our back garden and I've never really had a back garden before we moved from a flat into a house and and I know nothing about flowers but I really enjoy watching them grow so every day I take you know five ten minutes to walk around the garden and and see what's what's new um, and try and google and find out what they are and um, and just enjoy learning about about them um, and I think that that just the slowness of the process but um, also the kind of color and the um, just reconnecting with with nature really helps me to to stay mindful Oh, that's just perfect. Literally smelling the roses, as they say. Quite quite literally, yes. Although um, although I have been told that we have lovely rose bushes out the front, where they were lovely rose bushes when we moved in, and everybody in the area knows about these rose bushes, and they've kept telling me, oh, you need to to keep them, and I think I've killed them all. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get them to grow. They were beautiful last year. (laughs) Don't know what I've done. You'll just have to move home before the summer comes. <laughs> <laughs> that is five out of five. Well done, Paula. Yay! Well done, Paula. The Thank puffin will be put in the post just as soon as we can afford a stamp. <laughs> it's been great catching up with you. It's great hearing your story. It's great introducing your story to people who haven't heard it before. It's incredibly inspiring. Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. You Thank are you. a superhero. Not at all. Not at all. Thank you so much for for having me along. I just it's just been lovely to catch up with with friends and new friends. Thank you. Thanks Thank so you. much for your time. And that's it from us. That is so it. we're back uh, next time with your choice, Janice Klein. Janice Klein, um, talking about nutrition. I cannot wait. Cannot, yes. Um, you being a baker, of course, <laughs> she might say baking's out for all you know. Oh, okay. We'll always manage to wing it in somewhere. Okay. So anyway, that's it from us uh, for Ways to Wellbeing. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And bye for now. Bye for now. Ways to Wellbeing is produced in Inverness, Scotland, by Partnerships for Wellbeing, a registered charity. 
To find out more about our services, go to p4w.org.uk.